Some pop culture classics, whether we're talking about movies or TV shows, age like fine wine. With the passing of the years, they not only hold their own, they maybe even get better. And others, well, it doesn't seem like much time has to pass at all before culture at large begins rendering a harsh retroactive verdict. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, two of the biggest shows of the 1990s were Friends and Seinfeld, and the plots and dialogue and characters and, I mean, seriously, pretty much everything that happened on these shows was a part of our pop cultural lexicon. Mm -hmm. I can yell, pivot, and many (laughs) of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, with a a couch going down a stairwell, not quite the right way. And and Ross getting very concerned about that. And and isn't that the way of it with things that sort of get under our skin, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way culturally? We're just aware of what is going on. And that was certainly the case with both Friends and Seinfeld. Well, the last Friends episode aired in 2004, which wasn't even 20 years ago. But recently, that show and Seinfeld and some other classics from back in the day have come in for criticism for various reasons. And our cancel culture is turning its harsh eye backward on properties that don't necessarily share the progressive values of diversity and sexuality and inclusion that today's mainstream culture demands. So today we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about how we help our kids to navigate a world in which such judgments are being pronounced. And, you know, whether that means we can't go back and watch some of those things, not that we're probably watching Friends or Seinfeld with our children. I just want to be really clear about that. But <laughs> but it's a long list. And there's a lot of kids movies that have come in for that kind of criticism, too. And in our second segment, Paul Acey will join us to talk about the new big screen version of Judy Bloom's classic story, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And frankly, um, Judy Bloom is not without some concerns for a lot of people over the years, too. So maybe we'll we'll circle back to this conversation uh, as well with regard to what do we do with stuff that people are concerned about. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Jonathan McKee, Kristen Smith, and Bob Hoos. Hey, everyone. Hello, Adam. Hey. Are we off to a good start? Great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're good. doing all the talking. So well, that's true. Yeah. That's Great. true. <laughs> and, and, Keep and going. Keep I, going. I will say for our listening audience that uh, allergy season is in bloom, and it's, it's bugging my voice a little bit, but uh, hopefully we can soldier through it today. Well, I thought for our icebreaker for our conversation this week, we would talk about this. Do you have a movie that you remember absolutely loving as a kid? or as a teenager that you've seen again recently and thought, oh boy, that doesn't hold up as well as I remember it. Who wants to go first today? I'll go. All right, Bob. Uh, I've talked about this one movie. Uh, it's a Christmas favorite of mine, and I've talked about it a number of times. It's called Holiday Inn. Okay. And uh, it, I still love it. I mean, it's, it's not like it doesn't hold up, but it does have some elements that a number of, well, you could look at it and go, Hmm. Yeah, probably not. Right. Uh, and it's just the it's a story about this guy who has a has a little inn that just opens for holidays and people come in and they do all these great musical numbers and everything. It's a Bing Crosby film. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and I've heard of him. And, yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> from way back when. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's one celebration of Lincoln's birthday and they do it in blackface. Mm. And it's not like they're doing it as a way of slamming 
anything, but still, um, it's definitely less than comfortable. And I, and I think I, I would say that um, probably most, anytime you see it now screened, they cut that, they yeah. cut that out. Well, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about yeah. in our main segment today is, you know, movies that included stuff that at the time nobody thought yeah. anything of. But in retrospect, it's like, oh, well, maybe we need to rethink that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, actually, in, in this one, they they included it almost as a celebratory moment, you know, okay. because they were talking about uh, the Civil War and, and the black community coming out of the Civil War yeah. happy, you know. And so it was, um, yeah, it, it just didn't age. Well. Okay. <laughs> Kristen? Um, well, I, so usually when this question is proposed, right, it's about what's happening culturally. And this has some elements to it, but I watched 16 Candles oh boy. Uh, yeah. in high school. Oh. Oh, and man. it's not, okay, 16 Candles was not, it was not ever a, like a wild favorite. But I think as I've watched them, as I've gotten older, I can mostly look at not every 80s movie, but a vast majority and think, Whoa. What on earth is happening? Whoa. Like, yeah. So it just seems like a lot of 80s movies, they were able to do kind of whatever they wanted. Yeah. Um, whether it comes to like sexual content or racial slurs or things like that. Like, well, there's and some were very rapey too. Yes. Yes. A yeah. lot of like very instances. Rapey. 16 candles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of instances where you're like, wow, this was totally normal? Question mark. So, yeah. yeah. yeah right. That's funny. That's the exact movie I was going to say because I mean, I love John Hughes, I, I, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. You know, Planes, Trains, Automobiles is so entertaining. But, I mean, every time, you know, the foreign exchange student is introduced, there's, like, this gong in the background, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it pretty much this one girl is just this inventory, basically. I mean, yes. she's just kind of, like, passed around, and it's all just kind of ha-ha. It, it is interesting because there's some, even on a more innocent level, like, I loved Mr. Mom. But the whole premise is kind of funny. It's like, what if a dad, you know, had to watch his kids you know <laughs> while the woman went out and worked that would be so weird you know and so it is funny that there's some of that stuff where you just kind of look back and you're like oh interesting that that was you know so bizarre at the time so yeah well mine's an 80s movie too and i i hope i don't earn uh like tomatoes being thrown at me digitally <laughs> but um man i saw back to the future recently and i'm like i know this is one of you know the 80s classics. It's been a long time. It just, just, it just doesn't hold up. Really? I really? See, really? I haven't seen it recently. What, what was it that uh, fell I, apart it, from? I just cringed through the whole thing. Really? I felt like Michael J. Fox's role almost from start to finish just made me go, Oh no! Man, is this it is, is it because because his mom sort of has a crush on him when when he, in the in the past? Yeah, no, not even necessarily because of that part of the plot, but I just thought, I don't know. There are a lot of movies that I can go back and watch from earlier eras, and I think, wow, I can see why people love mm. this. You know, I mentioned that in the beginning. I think Casablanca. Oh yeah. Absolutely holds up today. And yeah. and we could go through a long list of those classic movies. And it just felt it felt dated. It felt I just cringy. I'm like, oh man. Well, that's interesting. This is this movie is embarrassing. Me. I can to, hardly I'll even watch it. Actually watch it and see what Yeah, you... me too. I know. So, I, I think this is a a great segue and and we've already started talking about it into our conversation today. And I want to start by saying I think that Sometimes as Christians who are concerned with the forces of culture that 
go against what we cherish as believers, we can think that things are just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And certainly I think there are areas where things are getting worse. I think you could watch a show like HBO's Euphoria and say, Mm -hmm. oh man, the Mm -hmm. content here in trying to depict these lost teenagers is crazy over the top or Game of Thrones. Or we could... We could pick out a lot of examples of things that have really egregious content. Often it's sexual content. Often it's violent content and think, oh, it's just all getting worse. I would suggest that culture isn't, um, you know, this bull charging forward always, but it is more like a hurricane, like I said in the intro, in that that storm is rotating and our cultural sensitivities are changing. And so some things get better. And some things get worse. And for example, you know, we look back and and you can watch movies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s and everybody's smoking, right? Nobody yep. thinks anything yep. of it. Yeah, You don't see that today. And even when you do, somebody will say something like, well, I know I shouldn't be smoking. Like there's this self-aware thing or it's only the bad guy and the smoking is just, you know, a negative virtue signaling that, you know. Or it's a, a retro detective movie. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so- I would say that that we have gotten more sensitive and uh, maybe less sensitive at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so there's complexity there. But that influences the way our culture looks back and evaluates things have come before. So you guys have even given some additional examples here. But what are some other examples um, sort of in the vein of Friends and Seinfeld? And maybe we can talk about those two as well, what the concerns are with them for people looking back now. But what are things that are not aging well in terms of, of where our contemporary, and I'm talking mainstream culture, not necessarily a Christian perspective, what's coming you know, sort of under the microscope these well, days? What I, what I find interesting is that they are coming in, under the microscope, and it's because yeah. we live in this world where you can stream everything. Uh, I mean, you, we, we talked about friends, or we at yeah. least brought the, the uh, show up. The fact is that it's still very, very popular yeah. because people can stream it and they can get it at, at their fingertips. And I think that's also why uh, th- this next generation is complaining about things that are not in the Friends show because it's still popular and there's still a lot of people going back. And so they're going to get online and, and you know, throw in their two cents and, and in, in essence get their day in the sun, their 15 minutes of, of attention right. by, by complaining about something from the past. Well, and what is the complaint here? Because Jennifer Aniston recently talked about sort of what the complaint about Friends is. That it's not diverse enough. Okay. And so I, this is going to be sort of like a case study, right? So I've I've watched all of Friends. I okay. do enjoy some Note, of it. Note, Kristen yes. is a super fan. Okay, well, okay. As I, an adult viewer. <laughs> I went and I, I saw the reunion as well. Right. And there were clips from people all over the world of yep. all different nationalities talking about how much they loved Friends, how comforting Friends was for them over the years. So I find it very interesting, right, that there's a lot of loud voices right now talking about a lack of diversity when in the same vein, Girlfriends, which was a show in the 2000s, which is predominantly black, um, we could argue the same point, right? There wasn't enough diversity in that show. And there's a whole slew of arguments that you could probably walk down that road. Um, But I think you could pick this out of probably a lot of shows to complain of a lack of diversity. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think think they were also talking about it not being as 
reverential, let's say, to sure. to like gay issues. Yeah, um, there are there are a lot of jokes. You, you, then isn't it Ross who has a, a his, yes, his, his wife, wife is a lesbian was a lesbian and then she remarried another woman. Yeah, in fact, Friends I think was one of the first shows that had right. a, a lesbian marriage. Well, and at the time it would have been seen as very, yes. very, progressive. very progressive. It was, yeah. And but, now it's not progressive enough because it's not reverential enough. Because uh, Ross would toss out jokes mm-hmm. about his lesbian uh, ex. I think this is a really, and I'm sure we'll get there, but this is a very interesting conversation when you're talking with your children or your family about how we view movies in light of either culture or scripture, right? Right. Because this is going to be like the main conversation where someone might find a huge issue with there not being enough reverence towards, I don't know, or enough promotion of like the LGBTQIA culture. um, Whereas scripturally like that's not something that we're promoting it's not something that we're looking towards so it's just interesting there's a lot of ways we could have this conversation and and, and also i was never a big fan of friends just just looking at it from a parent's perspective yes and i i can go there now as a parent you know yeah (laughs) and and i'm sure when you were watching it there were a lot of very fresh ideas that you found funny and, and appealing yeah but the fact is when we stop and think about some of those shows just, just look at that, just right. not, not even worrying about our current culture, yeah. but uh, looking at it from the perspective of the 90s, it was promoting some very, Huge. very yep. promiscuous ideas, yeah. yes. uh, essentially saying, you know, sleeping around and sleeping with each other as friends and sleeping around with other people. Without any consequence. No worries, no worries. Right. And yeah. what, it, what it did was it sold a very big lie to our culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not just saying friends did. I'm yeah. saying all the shows were doing that. And the big lie is that there's not, no price to pay for that. Right. Yeah. And here we are now, how many ever years later, 30 years later, and we're seeing divorce rates going through the roof. We're seeing uh, sexually transmitted diseases as as a epidemic in our culture and and in our society and i think those things are all connected yeah it's really interesting to look back from a i I should clarify i did watch it growing up and i was i still watch it occasionally and i do love the characters and this is a hard like pass with kids because i don't think i'd let my children watch it and so i'll take that to the Lord later. Probably something I should have a conversation about. But there are a lot of things that I... In this episode of Kristen Talks with God. I I think we should be honest about this, right? Like the things... So anyway, so part of it is I cannot stand how they joke about pornography because pornography is in and of itself this horrific thing that has led to sex trafficking is like the third largest business in the world right now. And the U S is like the highest buyer anyway. So there's so much that you could get into, but there are so many problems. Um, and it's not just about diversity. Right. And, and, and as we, you know, look to where we are currently, as opposed to the past, we could probably pick out the exact same issues. Yeah. And I think the thing that's so interesting about this whole subject is the world has a different barometer than us. You know, there's a different plumb line and uh, when we look at our barometer, which is scripture, mm-hmm. you know, those 80s films where you were, you know, treating nerds bad or you're laughing at the gay kid. That's not OK either. You right. know, but either is today's me centered. You got to look out for you. You know, that's what's important or do what feels right. You know, that's not OK either. Right. And that's where we just need to constantly be in scripture and have that barometer so that we're using that as our barometer, not what the social media pressure is is pressing us to do at that given moment. Yeah, I just watched Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. I just reviewed it. And there is a scene in the second episode, which I found 
so interesting. But it's basically all these moms talking about how promiscuous their daughters are getting when really they're not very promiscuous at all. Um, but they're doing things that they would have never dreamed of doing. And all of the moms are like popping pills or drinking or absolutely miserable in their homes. And there's a very strong message that if you chose that life to rear children, to take care of your home, you're going to become an alcoholic. You will be miserable. And that's a very loud. It's weird because in the, you know, in the 1950s, I'm sure there were people that felt that way, but that's such a loud message now that you're shamed for wanting to do things like that. Yeah. So it's just, it's so interesting, the the value that we place on different things. And then they're criticizing it now, right? A show that's about the 1950s that they're giving a modern cultural look into um, as if that's how everybody feels. And it's like, it's just, it's wild. Well, Kristen, I want to circle back to something you said, because I think it's a, a really great dichotomy. And that is, you know, the the parallel tracks of culture and how scripture shapes our perspective on something. And I think we can look back at, at previous moments in our cultural history. And I don't know that there was this sort of uniform, almost dogmatic worldview in play. You know, the culture was just the culture, right? Mm -hmm. In the seventies and eighties, anything goes. And there wasn't much criticism from the mainstream culture of any of that stuff really on a, an ethical or moral worldview perspective. And I think that what we're seeing now is there is a progressive yeah. worldview yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm making generalizations sure. here that encompasses a lot of ideas about how we're supposed to live. Now, those people might not think that it's a, a religious worldview, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of parallels. And I think it's good for us to say, we have a religious worldview that, that really influences and shapes how we see things. This one actually, in a weird way, shares yeah. some broad similarities, but it's a totally different value system. Yep. Yeah. Bouncing off that idea, I was thinking about this too. Um, the fact is that a number of years back, when church was very much a part of our culture, you know, the idea of church, and there were times when church abused that power, and people revolted about it, yeah. essentially saying, no, you can't just tell me this is the way things are and everything else is sin. Uh, and well, I think the exact same climate is taking shape right now. Yeah. We're online. The woke church is very much the same kind of entity slamming its fist on the table saying, this is the way it's going to be. And if yeah. you don't do it this way, we're going to excommunicate. That's you. right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in a way that could be a good thing in the sense that eventually people will say, no, yeah. no, the bulk against that. Well, I want to circle back now, Bob, to what you were talking about with Holiday Inn. And I want to ask a question about how we navigate this issue as parents. You know, yeah. We've been talking about Friends and Seinfeld and, and some of these shows that were cultural classics, but we've had a great discussion about why, even back in the day, from our Christian lens, these shows had problems. But we also have a number of things that are sort of being pseudo-canceled uh, yeah. or given trigger warnings that are in a different category. And, and three years ago, you know, Disney came out and yeah. said that Peter Pan, the Aristocats, Aristocats yeah. Dumbo, Swiss Family Robinson, Lady and the Tramp, The Jungle Book were all movies that had some level of racist yeah. content that parents needed to be aware of. So my question is... Well, and there, there are also Academy Award exactly. films like Forrest Gump. Right. Really Forrest Gump of, is another one. A lot of so does that mean as parents that we shouldn't watch those movies? Or if we choose to, 
how do we do that with our kids and recognize that there may be things in there that we want to talk about? So let's talk about that well, for I just would, a moment. I would turn to you first, Kristen, since you're, you've got tinies. Uh, what do you do about that? I don't know if we should turn to me first. Um, do you have Aristocats on, like, repeat at all? <laughs> no, no. I mean, the cats are so great, right? <laughs> but we have watched Peter Pan, and we've done a few other things. I think kids don't see a lot of these issues. I'm oh, going to no, be really honest. So I, I'm not putting on a Disney movie and sitting down to explain all of the cultural elements in the same way that I'm not opening a book and explaining all of the cultural elements to my five-year-old and my three-year-old. Will we have conversations like that as they get older? Sure. Do I think it's something that I want to talk about right now? Unless it's like, that's probably, probably people are going to hate what I'm saying, but if it's not something that's in your face that I feel like contradicts scripture or they're actually like harming somebody or being really vile, right? Right. I want to have those conversations in the context when it's time. Right. Not with my sure. five and three. Well, and I think Does that that's make a, sense? Yeah. And I think the principle you're talking about is age appropriateness. Right. Whereas yeah. some in that mainstream culture would say this stuff is now out of bounds. You're saying as a parent, actually, I can exercise uh, a lot of discretion as a parent with regard to what my kids are, how they're processing it, right. and what we need to talk about or what we don't need to talk about. Well, the, yeah. key, the key word, what you just said was processing. Yeah. And I really, because I really do believe that that's our job. Our job is to help kids process. Our job is to work thing, through things and issues. Like, for example, the whole um, minstrel type scene in Dumbo. Right. Um, I mean, if you're watching that with your child, and they're really tiny, then obviously, that, as you said, they're not going to catch it. If you're watching it with your family, and there are older kids there too, that's a great opportunity to talk about, well, why were these kinds of things included back then? Right. And, and why is that somewhat problematic today? And you can sort of navigate and process these different things, all with the end goal that we want to raise our kids to be discerning and Love actually it. think through things. Yes. The fact Not is, just throw the baby out with exact, the bathwater. Exactly. Don't throw it all away, but help them think through what is good, what's bad, what's right for them, what's wrong for them, because then they step away and they're going to be applying that same lens to other things that they see on their own. Well, and I think, again, it gets at this idea of what is the grid that we're using to protect our kids from certain ideas. And I would say, I think I can say there is a progressive understanding and the things that they are concerned about may or may not line up with the things that I'm concerned about coming right. from a Christian right. perspective. I'm going to say this. I think it is so important for you to take your kids and travel outside of the United States because so many of the issues that we're discussing now, not to say that some of them aren't actual issues because they are, but to have an actual larger lens and what's going on here is so important because some of the things that we think are detrimental if you go abroad, they're really not. Yeah, Traveling outside of the U.S. is so necessary. So I think it's not that there aren't issues that need to be adjusted and presented, but I think it's really important when we when we talk about this. Worldview is what we're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. each family possesses their own worldview. Yes. Right? And, and we live under this big magnifying glass of sorts right. uh, that overemphasizes some aspects of things that aren't as important to us. Yeah. You know, and as Christians, sometimes we have our own cancel culture. I mean, uh, we, we literally, sometimes it's sad, but we're almost known more for what we're against than what we're for, which is interesting because 
that doesn't seem to be the way Jesus just, you know, taught and acted for sure. But I had some friends that went abroad, uh, Kristen, it was hilarious. And uh, it, was, it was my friend's parents who went abroad and they looked up in Ireland, this family that had their same name and they literally knocked on their door and said, hey, you know, we looked you up and whatever. And the people were like, oh, come on in, come on in. Well, as they sat down, these conservative Christians here from America sat down and immediately they were offered something to drink, alcohol, and they were offended. Oh, my word. They were offended about this. <laughs> so uh, later it comes out, they have this conversation and they admit, they go, oh, well, we wouldn't drink. That's, you know, we were honestly offended. And they had this actually, this kind of interesting conversation where they talked about it. And the people from Ireland said, well, to be honest, when we saw you and they talked to the lady with your big hoop earrings and your makeup and everything, we just don't do that here. And we were kind of thinking, you know, we were a little offended that uh, a believer would dress that way. And so here were two believers. They were both offended by completely different things that neither were scriptural. But uh, yeah, it's one of those interesting things. It's like, you know, go back to scripture. What is scripture telling us to be for? Um, and, and that's what's important to talk to our kids about. You know, one other thing that we can mention, you were talking about how do you, how do you uh, navigate older media mm-hmm. with, your, with your kids. I think you can talk to your kids about the era they were made in, too, yeah. and give it context. Um, like, for example, I was reading an article. It was A guy was talking about this film from 1930-something, and in it, um, uh, there's this scene where a black porter ushers some white patrons into a cabin on a train, which was very common, uh, where you had a lot of black porters, and it was a very common element in films back then. And he was very concerned. That the guy had a nickname like Snowflake or something like that. And uh, he was very concerned with that from a modern lens and why the film didn't look at things from Snowflake's point of view, even though it had... The film had nothing to do with him. He was just a character in a scene. And I think sometimes we become so hypersensitive to things that it that it does distort our view. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to help convey the idea that there is context to when a film was made and the thought processes that were behind it. Right. And, and the, and and the, the values and assumptions that exactly. are unconsciously reflected. Because right. the reality is... When you swim through the culture's water, there are some things you don't see because it's just the water you're swimming in. You are unconsciously reflecting things, which I think was the case with even our friend's conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't occur to anybody back then that having an all white cast might be a problem in some ways. That's a cultural moray that has changed in the last 25 years. And and that can be explained to your kids too. You can talk about those. Absolutely. Well, I want to end our conversation by making a big observation about what we've been talking about here today. If you have been listening, you have probably heard the words talk, conversation, intentionality, worldview. And with all of this stuff, we want to be engaging with it purposefully with our kids. We want to help them see that it's fine to enjoy a story or a movie and to laugh and to be entertained, but we want to be thinking critically about the values and the ideas that are coming at us. And sometimes if we're willing to do that, we can actually navigate things that the culture might say, Oh no, shouldn't watch that. Uh, Exactly the way that we have been talking about here today. So Mm -hmm. great conversation today, guys. And I hope that this equips you who are listening at home 
to have great conversations with your family as well when these sorts of things come up as possibilities. Like, should we watch this? Should we not watch this? How do we deal with it? Talk about it. And that, I think, will really go a long ways to helping you navigate and work through those things as a family. Thanks, guys. Well, joining me for our second segment today is our very own Paul AC. Hello, Paul. Hello, Adam. And you are here to tell us about a story that has been floating around for a very, very long time. When I hear the title, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, I'm like on the bus in fourth grade. Oh, I yeah. mean, it takes me back to the 1970s like that. Yeah. So yeah, this is a book that many of us loved and read. And Judy Bloom sort of later became this weird icon of controversy. But just and this book was one of the more controversial. And, and this ones. was one of the more controversial yeah. ones. But just watching the trailer to familiarize myself with it, it didn't seem like it's going to be super controversial. But is it? What do we need to know about well, it, this adaptation of a classic book that was sort of beloved and sort of problematic all at the same time? Yeah, it was really beloved and kind of problematic for some parents, right? And yeah. and when you talk about this book, I think it's been around longer than you have. It oh, was, snap. It was actually written in 1970. I was here in 1970. Do you know what month it came out? I, I don't know what month. Come on, Paul. Sorry. I should have done my, my well, more careful we're research. Well, we're co-temporaneous, which is a <laughs> word that I think does not get enough usage in modern parlance. Yeah. So you're right. It has been around for a long time. Judy Bloom years. has been writing books that many people, including me, have loved. You know, I was a big Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing. Blubber. Blubber. Who didn't read Blubber? Yeah. So she is clearly, she knows how to touch a certain age of kids. Who reads her books? Yep. And probably, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is maybe one of her most famous books. Yeah. Uh, the movie pretty much follows the book, from okay. what I remember. Did you reread it? I didn't reread it, but <laughs> but I was familiar with it. Um, and and yeah, it, it, it's basically about this girl named Margaret who uh, moves to. New Jersey. She has lived in New York City all of her life. She is forced to move to New Jersey because her dad gets another job. Which I'm guessing is not a happy thing for her. It's not a very happy thing for her. She's very, very frustrated. And that's where her conversations with God begin. She just prays initially that if they have to move, hopefully New Jersey won't be terrible. She gets in with this group of kids. Uh, they sort of take her under her wing. She's dealing with a lot of things through those kids, through her new school. And it's really a story about growing up. She is in the middle of adolescence. It's Actually, poignant, she's at the beginning of adolescence. Poignant coming of age story. It's, <laughs> it is funny and poignant and because it deals with those early stages of adolescence where the body is changing, things are things are happening in a lot of different areas, that is where some of the controversy is centered. It has been banned in a lot of schools because it dealt with menstruation. Okay. So that's a very huge theme within that. So for, for families who want to— And is that in the to, movie too? It is. It's okay. a huge theme in the movie um, because it's portrayed as sort of this bridge between girlhood and womanhood. And Margaret 
worries that she's going to be late to the party, as it were, um, because her mom got her first period late. Some of her friends are already getting it. So it becomes this very, very big um sensitive issue for her. And it deals with with those and similar issues throughout the movie. So for families who are sensitive about those issues, the interest in boys, the changing of the bodies, this might be one that they might want to stay away from. But for those who can sort of grapple with those issues, it's a really nice, sensitive portrayal of what it looks like to be 12 years old and, and growing into yourself. Well, I love that, and I think that it it's a great example of something that we often talk about at Plugged In, that we don't feel like it's our job to you know, do thumbs up or thumbs down gladiator style on everything we review. Our job is to give you the information you need to make the best decision you can as a family. And it seems like there will be certain families that are probably going to hear what we're talking about here today and think, those aren't issues I want to deal with through a movie. And there are others going to say, you know what, we have started to talk about that. And maybe this opens up a deeper yeah. avenue of communication and connection on a conversation that's not easy. I mean, yeah. I think any parent who has ever tried to walk through this, uh, you know, it's awkward. And there's awkward. no way around the awkwardness. And I think part of Judy Bloom's appeal is that she understands the awkwardness. She captures it. Um, and she maybe gives us a, a kind of entree if we want to go there into talking about that reality. Right? I think that's absolutely right. You know, that is really the core appeal to Judy Bloom. For some reason, she remembers her childhood. She remembers these critical moments in in our lives with a clarity that you don't often find in, in, in old a lot people. Of well, exactly. <laughs> you know, you do find this this montage of people who talked about how much this book meant to them mm. as they were growing up, how much it made them feel seen, how much they felt understood because they felt some of these same emotions that Margaret's going through. That's one of the strengths of writing of movies like this. If you can deal with the content, if you're ready to deal with the content, it can be an interesting trip. Well, and let me ask another question about content, and then we'll we'll bring our conversation in for a landing here. Um, we've talked about the content kind of thematically, you know, that it deals with with puberty and adolescence and those biological realities. Are there other content concerns that, you know, we might typically list in our plugged in reviews that parents should be aware of. Absolutely. And again, just like this one, it is it is a very critical part of the story and one that can swing a couple of different ways. Okay. In the title, it's Are You There God? Okay. This is a very, very spiritual movie in a way. Okay. She so is, that's not just a, a little trite no, plot construction. No. Her parents uh, have decided not to raise her in any particular religion. Her mom is Christian. Her dad is Jewish. That has caused a lot of problems. Um with the mom's parents, who essentially disowned the mom because she married a Jewish man. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of so that's pretty heavy, like real world spiritual stuff, isn't it? It's really heavy. And during this section of Margaret's life that we're privy to, she's starting to f try to figure out what she is, what she wants to be. She goes to temple. She goes to a couple of churches. She even finds herself in a confession booth at one point in time. And she's trying to struggle with what it means to be a spiritual person, hmm. right? Um, she prays to God throughout the entire movie. 
And she gets more and more frustrated because God is not answering her the way that she wants. Mm. Um, So not only do you have this girl who's going through some really interesting uh, emotional, uh, physical changes. Just the developmental stuff. She's right, right. She's dealing with a lot of heavy duty spirituality, which is all really part of becoming who we become. Hmm. Right. That's a really critical part of this. And I found it pretty resonant. But because because of some of the issues, because her relationship with God can be a little bit messy. That's another thing that uh, that parents might want to watch out for. Well, and again, I think, as you said, it feels like this one could cut both ways. I think for those of us who are really trying to raise our children in the faith, we want to have realistic conversations about what prayer is, what it means to talk to God, what it means to trust him for his guidance and his answers. And I think there may be some people who think if it seems like God's not answering, that's not a helpful story. And there may be some who say, you know, sometimes when we pray, the answers aren't clear. And maybe this is, you know, sort of a launching point to what does it look like to just talk to God as we move through our lives? Because it, it seems like there's a conversational element yeah. To how she deals with God that is kind of winsome to me. It is to me, too. And I got to be honest with you. I was really moved by those spiritual elements within the movie. Were you surprised by that? Did I it catch you off guard? It did, honestly, because I found myself getting just I found myself getting a little misty toward the end because hmm. so often in movies, these spiritual elements, even though they're so critical to so many of us, they're often ignored. This is a movie that does not ignore them. Interesting. It deals with them honestly. It deals with them difficultly in some ways. But the fact that it deals with them, and I think so many kids and adults can sympathize with her walk. Hmm. Uh, it, it made it pretty resonant for me. Interesting. Well, as always, if this is a movie you're interested in, we would encourage you to go to Paul's excellent review at pluggedin.com and get all of the details about you know that and other things that might be in the movie. But thanks, Paul, for bringing us up to speed on an old school classic, getting a new treatment in theaters this weekend. Thanks so much. Well, now it's time for a segment we call Name That Movie, in which each of us has to give a maybe humorous, maybe exaggerated line or two about a movie, and and everybody else has to guess what it is. And so we want to have fun, and, you know, we can play Stump the Chump a little bit, but, you know, if you need more than three clues, it's probably a little bit deep in the weeds. So I thought I would lead us off today with a a softball that you'll, you'll probably be able to get. Are you ready? Yeah. Or you got your thinking caps on? Let's do it. Ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. An earnest young hero confronts his mortal nemesis, only to learn that the man in black is, well, closely related to him. Which Star Wars movie was that from? Uh, <laughs> Luke, I'm of your course, father. Uh, you, I'm you, your father. You know, everyone Adam does from? is always going to be Star Wars. Just answer Star Wars no matter what he says. You know? <laughs> That's right. We'll be well, right. no, I felt like I was changing it up because it's Empire Strikes Back. There you go. Empire so, Strikes I mean, Back. Yeah. Can, can don't, I t- don't hate on me for always picking Star Wars. <laughs> I've never that seen all of them. I know, oh, I know, you, I know. Oh, I don't oh, think I've goodness. seen all of them. Are you talking about um, the classics? The, yes, the, the, the classics. The original three? We're going to have a party and watch Star Wars with oh, Kristen. Yes, I do. I'll go next. Yeah. Uh, let's see, because uh, I'm sort of winging this one. It's let's see. Um, uh, a man loses his family and then becomes Scottish 
to be near his kids. What? So I married an axe murderer? No. No. <laughs> my, like my list of Scottish themed movies is okay, pretty let me, shallow. Let, let me let me say, but Jonathan, you've already gone on record be, as being I Scottish, know. so I feel like I'm you're our guy. And I'm stumped. I, I, I'll, I'll I'll expand. Okay. A man loses his family, then becomes old and Scottish to be near his kids. Oh oh oh! oh wow. Doubtfire. Yes, that's oh. it. Oh, oh that's I a did, good one. I was gonna go with the Highlander next. Then <laughs> after that, well, I didn't want to say woman because then you'd get it. Yeah, right. no, that was good. Right. Oh, that was a good. That is a really good one. Was I think she? But I think she was British though. I'm not. Oh sure. really? I, I thought I thought it was no. Scottish. I think she was well, British. It was, I thought it was a Scottish we're, accent. We're not gonna argue about that because we don't have that kind of time. If I was wrong, I I apologize. Let Jonathan go. I need I need I need a second. Okay. Uh, here we go. Ready? Um, and folks, this one. Come on. I'm giving this one away here. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Young veteran returns home and vows to his love that he'll never give in to his dysfunctional family. But just when he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. Oh, my God. Godfather? Yeah. I quoted the movie. That's a quote <laughs> from the movie. Just when they thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> and that's why. <what, laughs> so, so but all right. He was a veteran there. when he came back. So, I yeah. um. I think I forgot that. Part. I'm going to join Kristen in the confessional. I have never seen The Godfather. Oh, I have seen oh The Godfather. My, oh my Don't put me in that. No, you haven't seen Star Wars, which is a bigger sin. I have seen some of Star Wars. Okay, <laughs> oh, wow. and I watched The Mandalorian. So. Oh well, there you go. Wow. Then she's got it covered. I feel like covered. that counts. She's right, it's it fine. No got wonder you don't like it. But that's a different podcast for a different time. <sighs> All right, Kristen, wow. what do you have for us? Oh no. Okay, this one's going to be really easy because I like. Easy. I'm really terrible at this game. Just like all the other no, games. You're either terrible at it or you're really good at well, it. If it's easy. Okay. A feline loses his father but has to seek revenge. Lion King. There we go. Done. Oh, Done. Okay. Man, I guess. I was immediately thinking of house cats. Oh. Right? <laughs> I was thinking of the cat from outer space. Cat? Aristocat. I'm done. Not really. I'm done. Not really. That's All right. It, guys. I think Bob, you're our winner today. Yeah, Bob is definitely. Yeah. Hey. Bob is the winner. All Which right. Which is a rare occasion well that brings us to the end of another game of name that movie and also almost to the end of our podcast so thanks for joining me today in this conversation both you who are at the table and you who are listening i hope that our conversation about culture and how we evaluate the stories that culture says are important uh, I hope that this has been an energizing conversation for you. It's given you some things to think about with how you make those decisions and how you navigate those things with your family. And speaking of conversation, we would love to keep ours going with you. What are your thoughts about entertainment from the past being judged harshly today? How have you helped your kids to navigate this issue? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram and be sure to check out our new website where you can send us a voicemail. Just go to thepluggedinshow.com and we'll have a link in today's show notes. And while you're at it, leave a review. What do you think of The Plugged In Show? What do you want other people to know about it? You know, that is the best way to help us grow our show is just telling people about it. So we would love if you spent some time doing that on our behalf. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us here at The Plugged In Show this week. We hope our conversation has been encouraging and enlightening to you. And we look forward to joining you again next week for another one of those conversations about entertainment, pop culture, and technology on The Plugged In Show. Hey, parents. Parent here. 
I don't know about you, but most parenting advice I've found is a lot like my son's favorite foods, just beans and hot dogs. It's bland and way too juvenile for how old he actually is. But Focus on the Family's weekly age and stage emails have biblical stuff that helps me be intentional as a parent. It's great, like a chef salad of parenting tips. If you want biblical, practical, and personal tips to your inbox, here's how. Go to MyKidsAge.com, put in your kid's age, and get weekly emails that make a difference.